Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet, when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost, or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, my guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love, self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. Happy 2020, y'all. I believe that in this day and age, spreading love without expectation is an act of extremism. With that belief in mind, I've set up a challenge for you all and myself to get online and spread some love. If you're interested in taking action and deepening your love practice this year, check out www.extremist.love slash liberation dash challenge. That's www.extremist.love slash liberation dash challenge. I'll post the link in the show notes and hope you join me on the Love Extremist Liberation Challenge. Peace. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Love Extremist Radio. This is Ethan Lipsitz, and I am in bed <laughs> with Michelle Pelazon. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh, we're actually in our bed in our house, um, and this is our third podcast together. And it's really awesome to have you back on Love Extremist Radio, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. Also, we're in our bed because this is the quietest place in our house right now. It's quiet and it's warm and that it's is, comfortable. That's all true. Yes. And we have clothes on um, for now. <laughs> and so, But Michelle, bed clothes, but, not like this gross. Right. Not clothes we wore all day. True. We have good bed that clothes That is my on. biggest pet peeve. Yeah. No. It's disgusting. Yeah, how many folks out there are like, I don't take clothes in the bed? I'm betting a lot of people are raising their hand because it is disgusting to wear your outside clothes in your bed. Yeah, it's messed up. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I have been guilty of that. Um, All right, so background check. Michelle Pelazon is the founder and CEO of Holisticism a wellness company making well-being more accessible to all humans, humans spelled with an X instead of an A. She is an educator, lifelong learner, true crime lover, early riser, that's for sure, and dog mother. She is also my life partner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Ethan Lipsitz is a visual artist, musician, conversation facilitator, entrepreneur, love extremist, and podcast host. He believes in creativity as a path to healing and explores the dynamics of love in three frames, self-love, interrelational love amongst individuals, and love for humanity and planet. Since being diagnosed with brain cancer two and a half years ago, Ethan's life has changed in dramatic ways with a focus on healing and cultivating love through art, media, and conversation. 
He finds infinite support and fuel for this purpose through his relationship with Michelle and their wonderful pup, Bonnie. Thank you for that glowing introduction, Michelle. (laughs) You're welcome. It was great. (laughs) So we're back at it. We've had two podcasts together. What was the first was kind of spelling out how we got to know each other and the early stages of our love story. Yes, it was like two months after we met and went on this epic first date to upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and we weren't sure what was going to happen next, but we thought we'd document it because... What the hey? Why not? YOLO. And then, what, like a, not a year, but... A while later, we were we decided to live together. We did. And so we had a cast just before you moved into this house. Yes, in like maybe June. Yeah, around that time. So now it's been six months of living together. Mm-hmm. And everything has changed. <laughs> I, think, I think it's been an incredible six months. And there's been a lot, like... But time feels like it's sped up and slowed down at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have never lived with a partner before. I'm 30. And so, and I've had serious relationships before, but I never really took the plunge to live with someone. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe that's problematic of me, but um, yeah, it's it's been remarkably easy. What were some of your initial concerns that you thought maybe would make it less easy? I like being by myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I like being by myself. I work from home and I wake up super early. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I just like having autonomy and I really, really, it's really important to me to have space that feels sacred to me. Um, and I, yeah, I just... I, I think I also could never trust that someone wasn't going to change their mind about me or about our relationship, and myself included. And so it seemed risky to move everything into one place. I know it's it's not really, but to go in on a lease and buy furniture and share dishes. But yeah, this was the first time that I felt like, number one, the, the risk was worth it. <laughs> and... But more importantly, that I just felt secure and like we could do it. So we're doing it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Do you feel like you have sacred space in this house? I feel like the whole house is sacred space. Yes. Right <laughs> <laughs> Although there were like a few breakdowns in the beginning. That's right. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Were like the main issues that came up? I, what do I think? What do I remember? Yeah, what, I remember? Sure <laughs> what went down? Um, well, I feel like I don't feel. I know I'm pretty intuitive, and I can pick up. Um, I can pick up like energy from things, as all of us can, right? Whether we can really like put our finger on what is bothering us or what feels sort of amiss or out of alignment in the area or environment around us. Um, And so there were just some things that I was like, 
these things don't belong in this house anymore, either from past partners or just were kind of taking up space but weren't loved mm-hmm. and didn't have a function and were negative space almost. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think they call it dysfunctional space in like Chinese medicine. Mm. And I didn't, I felt like there were lots of things that were taking up dysfunctional space. And those things crowded out my ability to be able to move my things and the things that mattered to me into this house with you. Right. And so. Yeah, just to give a little backstory, I've been living in this house since 2011. And so. By yourself. By myself. And yeah, so like I did have things, gifts, trinkets, tchotchkes, stuff that I had amassed, some things related to or from other partners or relationships, and a lot of just stuff. And I. I I, too, like, was excited to invite Michelle into this space and share it with me and also was confronted with the reality that it was tough to make it welcoming to her because I had a lot of kind of accoutrement left over (laughs) from things that um, maybe were no longer in service to the sacredness of the space. Yeah, and I think that's a really big difference between you and I, That's neither good nor bad. It just is a difference in how we experience material things and things in space. You have a deep love for curation and organizing rooms and spaces and finding the most perfect, whether it's like a literal rock or like (laughs) piece of plywood or or driftwood that like will sit on the counter beautifully Mm. or like the most perfect hat rack that can go in the whatever corner of the room I just don't have the same sort of care and so I've moved almost every year since I was 20 years old which means I don't have a lot of like extra stuff I've thrown away a lot of things and I don't have a lot of like sentimentality Mm. but the things that I do keep are like really important for that reason Um, and you kind of had the opposite experience of like being able to live in a house and not having to move and having a lot of space for one person and having a basement and being able to like, just kind of put things in, in a closet if you weren't thinking about them and not really having to go through and clean things out. And so we sort of have these maybe like oppositional philosophies to things in space. Mm -hmm. And so to like merge our two homes together was... Interesting. Yeah, and I pick up on, like, my Virgo tendencies to kind of, like, organize or, like, there's an expression of knolling, which is kind of, like, making your space. It's like cleaning up your desktop. For me, like, I have this, like, weird... And it's it's a little bit haphazard because I'll, I'll, I'll admit sometimes I leave things messy and it doesn't bother me. And other times, like, I can't not see a mess and it's, like, totally distracting to you know just my ease of life in the day or whatever and so I've learned to take responsibility for a lot of that stuff and just if it like needs to be moved I move it or I clean it up you know and it's not it hasn't it hasn't been something that um has been too much of like a hang up I know at one point I I like spoke about our kitchen table Being like a, a work I think that was the biggest fight we've ever had, and it wasn't. It lasted maybe like ten minutes, actual conversation, well, and then I, I went out. I needed to take a break, and so I, then I came back two hours later, and we were fine. But well, and the format was like 
I basically was like, so should we make the other room your office? And you didn't like my kind of like assuming that that was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of circumnavigating the real issue, which was I was like kind of stressed out by the like the the dining room being your de facto office. Yes, I had I had put my office needs. I had situated myself at our dining room table and sort of camped there for a few days. But but you had like a legitimate concern with how I approached it because I wasn't being honest about what yeah. was bothering me. Yeah. Instead, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to come at this with a solution. <laughs> it's a win-win. Everyone's going to be psyched." And then you just basically like went like, "Nope." Narrator. Not psyched. People were not psyched. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever that means is like, yeah, you think you're showing up with the perfect solution, but when you're actually like prescribing something without actually talking through like where it's coming from and the fact that it's actually, and this has actually come up for us a little bit when we have disagreement, is that oftentimes like my own insecurity or past self-judgments or shame or other things have kind of informed my words or actions or behaviors with Michelle. And sometimes I'm aware of it, but most times she's like, gets upset. And then I'm like, oh man, I, that I know why she's, she's it's because I like didn't speak from my like my I'm like just tell me what's wrong yeah like I didn't really speak yeah. from my truth it was more like my mind trying to create like solutions before I was actually vulnerable about what I was feeling and so you as you said are very intuitive but also just can feel like yo like what is this and like what are you trying to say and what are you projecting onto me because like <laughs> And you're very good at recognizing that. And um, sometimes it, it always is coming from a place of care for us and for you and for this relationship. But it sometimes um, bypasses my emotionality. And that doesn't help us. So, Well, you're being very generous and taking, I feel like, most of the blame. But it, like, it takes two to tango and... I'm not perfect and I project things too and my therapist brought up something I I remember that fight because we haven't actually really had very many fights at all Mm -hmm. and that was like I I totally was embarrassed by how I overreacted like I felt myself go from like zero to 60 really fast and sort of like sitting almost like I had the experience of being behind my body looking at myself and being like why are you escalating this? You know, like what mm. is going on here that, and like, I couldn't help myself, but get, get annoyed. And I could see that, like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience of like wanting to acknowledge that that's where you're at and being like, this is an authentic experience that I'm having of like mm. being angry or being frustrated or being like, what the fuck? Mm. But, um, also acknowledging that it's not a rational experience like it's not a rational response so I was talking to my therapist about it directly after maybe a day or so after and she reminded me that if you have a hysterical reaction oftentimes it's historical Mm, hysterical historical yeah she's like what's hysterical is often historical and so when we have sort of like a instant reaction that feels like whoa where did that come from um we can look to our past and see, like, where 
maybe my that reaction be informed by and my mom <laughs> it used to and still does sort of like try to erase us from uh, our home, mm-hmm. our family home. Mm-hmm. There's no pictures of, uh, of me and my sister and uh, on the walls or anywhere in the house. Um, she's thrown away all of our things from when we were little kids, everything. And mm-hmm. she used to do that a lot when I was younger too. She would just, I'd come home and things would be gone. And so my sort of reaction to you asking me to clean up or like put my things away where they couldn't be seen felt like you're trying to erase me from this experience of this home together, even though that totally wasn't what you were saying, but Mm -hmm. I kind of like blew it up up in my mind. But it's just, it's so, it's being like living together is sort of like the acceleration of partnership because you get to these places faster, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so like... It's great because you get to know yourself really well and you get to know your partner and you learn a lot really fast for better or worse. Yeah. And I think there's also just been this wonderful, um, almost like clearing of what's important or clarifying of Mm -hmm. what's really important and recognizing there's so much in living with a person that challenges us perhaps, but also stretches us. Mm-hmm. to support each other and do things that we might not normally do on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that actually feels really good and gratifying and to be learning you know, the ways of honoring each other's independence and also creating you know things we do together like taking Bonnie for walks in the morning or sharing we share our always and joys and <laughs> at night so at, before bed we, we you know share something that was a joy from the day and an oi from the day or not so great. <laughs> and I don't know, we have wonderful rituals and you often jump on me while I'm still sleeping because <laughs> you're up at the crack of dawn That's and true. I sleep in pretty late. But we've done a lot since you moved in. I mean, we we have been thinking about how we will deepen and connect and, and continue this relationship indefinitely and, <laughs> and what that looks like a sort of life sentence if you will yeah just kind of you know like a, indefinitely you know, without parole <laughs> no that's not I, i'm sorry just, anyway so we're, we're, we're going for it not afraid to go there not afraid we're going for it and marriage yeah marriage the M word <laughs> uh, as, as mel brooks says and so that's something that is kind of starting to at least come into our frame of consciousness and led us to think about, well, hmm, do we want to be in L.A. if we're to be in partnership and maybe building a family? Mm-hmm. And so we decided to take a month and go to Philadelphia, a city that I used to live in. Yes, because we aren't sure if L.A. is a place that we want to stay in, even though L.A. is awesome. And I feel like our experience is certainly um, not singular of Mm -hmm. being, you're 35, I'm 30, like probably, you know, (laughs) this is is our long-term relationship, this is the one. Mm -hmm. And being at pretty solid places in our careers, but still definitely room to grow, Generally solid, right? Like, mm-hmm. not early 20s mess. And <laughs> I mean, speaking for myself here. 
Um, and I feel like I have a lot of friends who are in this situation and who are unclear if LA is actually a place that is both feasible and possible to live in mm-hmm. um, at the finance, like at the price point that they're operating in, mm-hmm. and a place that they truly want to be part of, right. and maybe raise a family if they if they or we choose to have children, mm-hmm. but also just invest in because that's and sort of like contribute to the biodiversity of the area that we live in. Right. Um, Getting involved in school districts mm -hmm. and um, starting to explore what civic engagement looks like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, literally like the things beyond roots, right? Like, fortunately, I own this home and, you know, it's a place. Right. Which is all which is also totally a rarity. Right. And I think it is for sure. And and an amazing uh, privilege mm-hmm. and recognizing if we are to commit to Los Angeles, what does that look like if we want to be good uh, parts, you know, partners in this community, and also considering, you know, yeah, how we can have a great life and maybe do it somewhere else if we wanted to. And obviously, we don't have to make that decision before having a family, but. It does feel a little lower stakes, like, oh, we, we both have work and life that allows us to kind of pick up and explore new places right now. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not tied down too much. Um, so, yeah, that was a really interesting month of living in Philly. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we went in the fall. I was craving big trees and, and colorful trees in the fall weather. And it was a big change from... Uh, LA. Well, what else did you think that you were going to find in Philly that you didn't feel like? Because we talked about a bunch of different places, but you have been talking about Philly for a really long time to me as a place that you wanted to go and you wanted to take me and that you could totally see yourself living in again. So, what specifically was so like so calling to you? Oof, there's a lot. I mean, the city has so much charm and. Um, is has cultural history and and still a lot of cultural institutions um, that are great. You know, from art museums to in universities to we went to the ballet and you know concerts and music and stuff going on and um, feels like a affordable place to live. It feels proximate to other great cities like New York and D.C. and Boston, where the rest of my family is. So there's a lot of reasons, and and Philly gets all the seasons. You can, yeah, we lived in this massive mansion on the top floor um, that was a bit outside the downtown zone, which was kind of tainted our experience because we were tethered to a train that only came once an hour if we wanted to get anywhere else, uh, or we could take a lift, but that got a little pricey. And so, yeah, I think there was some unexpected results, but... All the charm and beauty of the seasons and the city were were there. And I I, I felt like we got that and we were able to enjoy that. Well, and I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we really decided, okay, let's go try and live in Philly as opposed to just go on vacation there. Yeah. um, It was that you were feeling really kind of like the honeymoon phase of living in L.A., I don't even know if you can call 10 years a honeymoon, but <laughs> you were just really uninspired with what you were seeing in L.A. when we decided maybe we should go live in Philly for a month. Yeah, I kind of felt like Los Angeles was this place where you're perpetually in your 20s 
regardless of your actual age. And how do you, what do you mean by that? It just feels like a place that um, where you're like everyone's kind of in this process of uh, operating independently and figure like trying to like set themselves up for success mm-hmm. in all situations constantly. And that, you know, is a lot of careers that are focused on the individual, um, whether that be in entertainment or other other arenas. And there's a lot of self-starters, which is amazing. But also I find that there's kind of a lack of sense of community and connectedness. Um, It feels like everyone's kind of out for themselves. And the way that connectedness happens is we support other individuals with introductions or, uh, you know, gathering folks, but it doesn't, it, it didn't feel like that cohesive and that deep. It felt like it's kind of a transient city. A lot of people were choosing to leave and move elsewhere and start families elsewhere. And also, um, yeah, there it didn't, it didn't feel like there was that depth of commitment to kind of collective values, mm-hmm. um, that, I grew up with and kind of would want to see in a, in a city where I might want to start a family. Um, and yet I acknowledge that that's a very one-sided view and totally. You know, and what you're looking for is what you're going to find. Right. Totally. So we, we, we attune our vision to what we want to see. Yeah, and we came back from Philly, and we're like, whoa, we really love LA. <laughs> yeah. Like, our life in LA is amazing. <laughs> we live on the east side in the northeast, and we, you know, we have bikes that we can ride along a river right next to our house. You know, there's great coffee shops and community, and, the, you know, I can speak Spanish all over the place, and, <laughs> and, and that feels amazing. And you can eat everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm on this keto diet, and there's a lot of places where I can eat, and there's places that are specifically offering great options for keto, which is amazing. So, yeah, th- there's a real um, lifestyle here that that we've gotten used to. That's very good, and also creatively, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. because there are so many individuals that are working hard to build a name for themselves. They're also down to collaborate and there's room to really build things with amazing humans who are really smart and talented and capable and just working hard. Definitely. And even in, so we moved to Philly for the month of October. We came back in in November. And I would say even then, uh, how we've been orienting around our own community has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. We've been hosting dinners at our actual house where mm-hmm. we cook for people as opposed to family dinner that we used to do at a restaurant called Maza where we just go and be regulars every week, mm-hmm. which is sort of a different type of buy-in. Mm-hmm. We're hosting so much more at the house. I started a community with holisticism that goes much deeper than anything else I've ever built before. Yeah. And you're thinking, you're creating these amazing experiences and salons that Mm -hmm. are going deeper with people. Right. So it was kind of like interesting now to look back on it. Shaking up our whole worldview almost helped infuse that creativity that we needed in order to make the community that we wanted to make here in LA that we felt like we were like sleeping on or something. Totally. I think we also recognize that in 
moving to another place, if you want to try it out, it's really hard to like be working and also kind of be a tourist in a new city yeah. for just a month. Like a month goes by really quick. And yeah, if you have work to do, like, sure, you can go into a city and work from a cafe for half the day and then check out museums and other stuff. But getting to build a new social network and all the things involved and really getting to know a city. Yeah, I, it's hard to do it in a month. It's really hard. And I'm, I totally forgot about the networking aspect right. of all new people. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was starting my company and I had to network in order to like get it off the ground. And I did it and I worked full time. Right. But I also had this like sort of nest of other humans who I who are my friends and my family and people I knew who I didn't have to network with, right? right. That like could kind of be a safe haven for me that I didn't ha- feel like I was like always on mm. or testing people out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much the, like I was not acknowledging those people almost and how important they were to me. Yeah, networking is really it takes, it takes it out of you, man. Takes a lot, especially if you're going to a new city and you're kind of operating blind. I was lucky to have more community there, but yeah, for Michelle, it was especially like kind of lonely because you didn't have as many friends already from the jump. Yeah, and just I I work a lot, so um, I, I work a lot, which I love and I love what I do, but it's hard. It was really hard a hard month to try and do all of the things and enjoy this beautiful city we were in and also make sure that my livelihood (laughs) continues because um, if I don't show up for work, then I don't get paid. So this is important. (laughs) Anyways, balance. So maybe if you're thinking of moving to a place, try it for two months. Yeah, two, three months or, or, yeah, just go easy on it and understand that you can't do everything all at once. So it takes time to settle into a new spot. Definitely. Uh, what do you think? Did Bonnie like it? Oh my gosh, Bonnie loved it. Except that apparently dogs need very different things on the East Coast than they do oh, in California. Right. Yeah. We went to the vet. Holy shit. It was like $700 later. Yeah. We had all these important vaccines that apparently she would have died if she did not get them while we were there. But she really liked it. Yeah. She, she liked nature. Hanging in the squirrels, leaves. Yeah, hella squirrels. Hella squirrels everywhere. Always constant. Yep. Yeah, but Philly was good experience. Also, just to go with your partner and to see that you can do it together, mm. even though it was hard, really hard at times. We had some really hard moments yeah. personally um, that had nothing necessarily to do with our relationship, but were really taxing to be there for each other and uh, like just proved that we're on the right path to me. Totally. And yeah, beyond just travel and vacation to be able to actually like live in a new place together and just facing challenges together in general. We've had a couple, but I mean, we did have that amazing trip where we met up in Istanbul yeah, that was and awesome. had a great time in Europe and we've done some East Coast trips and gone to New York and Boston and we've, but, but more recently, you know, you're, when your dad got sick, mm-hmm. we, it was what, a Thursday night. And yeah. he was supposed to have an hour-long surgery to get his appendix taken out, and then it turned into five hours. Yeah. So we were fortunate enough to be an hour away from the hospital in OC, and we just packed up and went. And having that proximity was amazing, but also 
being able to support each other through that moment Mm -hmm. and, you know, just these kind of challenging moments of like, okay, like, I see this is not feeling good. Something's up. Mm -hmm. Let's get there. Yeah, you definitely called that. I was a mess. (laughs) My dad is awesome. And although we've had ups and downs in our relationship, I love him so much and admire him and can't imagine my life without him. And I don't want to. And he's not in the best shape. So he was in the surgery and we weren't finding any information out and we couldn't get any information. And I kept crying and being upset. And you just at some point were like, why don't we just drive down to Orange County and like we'll meet him when he comes out of surgery or we'll just be there to support your mom. I'm sure it's fine. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. She said, that'd be okay. (laughs) Michelle is not someone who usually like advocates for her needs very articulately. Like, so, like, that'd be okay as a hell yes. <laughs> but, like, for Michelle, it's just like, oh, I guess that'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. want to be a burden. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, to to be able to go down there and, you, I mean, like, this is what the stuff of life is made of. Mm. Um, although the vacations are lovely and the successes are amazing to be able to experience, what people don't see it's so trite now. It's not on your Instagram feed. It's not in your Instagram stories. Like the real life stuff, it's really hard and really scary and really complicated mm-hmm. and doesn't just happen in a moment, but is support of your partner seeing you and seeing that you're upset and saying, advocating for you when you can't advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your partner being there for you and your family, even though they don't need to be. Um, it's your partner being willing to drop what's going on in their life in order to be there for you because your needs are prioritized in this moment and they know that at some point their needs will be prioritized again or the needs of the couple will be prioritized. But sometimes you need to focus on the individual was like really, um, it was really important to go through together. Definitely. Yeah, and you've been... There for me, you know, in moments of challenge, I've, you know, just have little focal seizures still in my leg and you just being present and dropping what you're doing to just sit with me as I work through it is so healing and powerful. And so, yeah, I just want to recognize that stopping what we're doing so we can give our full attention to each other in certain moments of need and often moments of not need Mm -hmm. is some of the most special little morsels of relationship. I do find when we first were living together, it it was almost like when we in the morning or at night when we were together, it was like drop everything, let's focus on each other. Mm -hmm. And we've become more comfortable not necessarily doing that all the time. But there is a real sanctity and beauty in our presence with each other. We generally eat together, at mm-hmm. least dinner, mm-hmm. and do activities together and, and plan outings and dates and we celebrate occasions. And We try not to be boring. Try not to be boring, exactly. <laughs> Surprise each other with gifts or trips or things like that. And... and yeah, there's just something so valuable in 
not going to default mode of, oh, I'm back in my own individualized life, mm-hmm. but, but also not, not leaving that, comp- like not losing that completely, like mm-hmm. having autonomy mm-hmm. and also celebrating the relationship every day. And yeah. Yeah. And I think we're really lucky in uh, so much in our lives, but that we happen to have like a sort of tenuousness of life that's very close to us because of your diagnosis Mm. and because we both have had our own experiences with health. I have epilepsy and experiences like my dad, like being, being really scary and just, it seems like every time we get comfortable with, um, or complacent, life kind of likes to slap us in the face and be like, Hey, don't forget, you can die. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like, remember, this is what's important when, like, you better stop and reprioritize yourself. Mm. Um, We had a moment in the fall where we really had to decide what do we want our lives to look like? Mm -hmm. How are we spending? We had to be so intentional about some big choices for us, about what do we want to do in the next year? What yeah. do we want to do in the next few years? And how are we going to do that? And how serious are we about doing that and doing that with each other? And it was, again, one of those moments where you're not only reminded of the seriousness and the weight of like the life that you live and every moment and how every choice does matter. And you should try to make every choice with as much intention as possible. But also that really the only thing that matters is love. Mm. you know and like that's the point um like who cares if you make a billion dollars if you're not you don't have a family around you or friends that support you or that you can support like who what are you gonna do with it don't matter (laughs) yeah so what what is love Well, as your definition evolves i don't remember what my first definition was so what is it right now Love, uh, love is recognizing that we are all one and the same. Mm-hmm. It's your soul being reflected back to you in everything around you. Mm. Even the trees, even the flowers. Oh, for sure. Even the blue jay today on the bird feeder. Yeah, there are two blue jays. Did you see that? No, I only saw one. There are two. But... That was a really beautiful memory. That was a joy of today. <laughs> you were up in the backyard with Bonnie. Bonnie's been searching for an animal living under our deck. <laughs> and then you're like, look, there's a blue jay in the bird feeder. <laughs> Someone must have put bird seed in there. And I was like, yeah, I did. But no, I didn't say it like a jerk. But I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and birds are showing up now. How cool. The bird feeder works. <laughs> But that was a nice moment. Anyway. It's really the little things, yeah. isn't it? But 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 recognizing, I think recognizing, I just had this beautiful conversation with my friend Erica, and you know she speaks to love being kind of recognizing the divinity in all things and all people, mm-hmm. and I think that's really what it is. It's it's I see me and you, and you and me, and we are all connected, and like we all have this um, kind of divinely created self 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really tough to reckon with. And that, that kind of leads me into love and truth, right? Because sometimes that divine creation leads to struggle or leads to dis-ease or puts us in circumstances that are less than ideal or really challenging in our life. Um, or maybe sets us up in those, right? Maybe we were born into really challenging circumstances or trauma. And so there's this part of like truth and being honest and like, like clear with what is real so that we can approach it from a place of honesty and reckoning and, and, and really be informed and learn about the situation that we're in and recognize our privileges, but also our responsibilities. Um, There's been so much that's come up recently for both of us in this year around Mm -hmm. recognizing privilege and systemic oppression and seeing our peers and those around us who face huge amounts of struggle in their daily life. Mm -hmm. And even you and fundraising and other experiences facing the aggressions that have been hurled at you for being a woman. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I feel in large, in many ways, like the immense privilege of being a, a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, I, I recognize being what, what I consider to be kind of a white passing Jew, which is a, like a different frame mm-hmm. um, than what some people might consider um, and yeah, I think that it's just, there's this truth in that and recognizing that both from a, pl- a place of privilege, but also from a place of, um, recognizing and just ch- taking stock in our power. Yeah, it's definitely been, uh, I was actually texting with some, one of my friends today and I was like, I don't think I could date, um, I don't think I could ever date anyone ever again. Cause I'm so spoiled being with Ethan because he's so open to being shown his privilege and owning it and doing the work to not to actively dismantle systems of oppression. And so few people, especially white men in my experience, are willing to do that work. And that's really devastating. (laughs) And um, even though I... I had some really well-meaning conversations with really intelligent, awesome people over the past few months. Um, And I still have so much to learn in this area, too. But when we talk about systemic oppression and how perhaps they are upholding oppression or the oppression of others, they almost don't get it. And so to be able to be in partnership with someone who does and who um, makes mistakes, because you make mistakes... Mm -hmm. And I make mistakes and um, who's open and not super defensive when I call you out on that shit um, is like a real gift. And so thank you. Yeah, and I just I just want to acknowledge that I think there's a real recognition that in our deepening of love for ourselves and for each other and for the world, there's a there's this simultaneous recognition of injustice mm-hmm. and um, complacency if we're not actively 
addressing and fighting that injustice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, we just finished How to Be Anti-Racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you finished it. I listened to a lot of it in the car as we were driving back from Utah. We took a road trip to Utah for New Year's. And they're basically, you're either racist or anti-racist. Mm-hmm. There's no, like... There's no, no not there's, racist. Right. You're, like, you're either actively against racism in everything you do or you are complicit in racism so you are racist and we all are racist actually like all of us are um because that's the society that we exist in um so we have to like actively rebel against that in order to break out of it Mm -hmm. and in order to break out of it we first have to acknowledge that we are racist we can't do better until we acknowledge where we're at Right, exactly. And similarly, so, you know, patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. We, are patri- we are patriarchal unless we are anti-patriarchal mm-hmm. because that is the dominant system. Right. And, and so recognizing the dominant systems and then being able to w- truthfully and lovingly say, okay, how can we start to dismantle these within ourselves, right? And, and start to look at what does a non-binary world look like? Mm-hmm. And, how you know? How do we start to become you know anti patriarchy and and rethink the systems that have set men up for success and kept women below, and and so there's just a really beautiful um, kind of learning that I think is happening and awakening that's happening in our relationship that has thus far kind of kept us growing um side by side Mm -hmm. in our interest and our and our concern for these issues and i also think we're also in lockstep with what feels like now and what i mean by that is the movements that we're seeing around us politically and culturally and in activist circles in america and Mm -hmm. around the world are things that we're paying close attention to and responding to in real time and um, choosing. Some of them. I mean, we don't see what we don't see. Of course. So, of course. like, yeah, we're really in awareness of this right now. And a year ago, when we first had this conversation, neither of us were as active in this work. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't in our purview. It just means that we weren't actively speaking out on it or teaching other people about it or... Um, I would certainly like, yeah, we just weren't, um, we didn't even know maybe the depths of it. Yeah. And And certainly this podcast for me has been a huge learning platform for getting to know folks of all stripes and, and affiliations in terms of, yeah, some of, some of the challenges and opportunities and, and things that are being done, but yeah, there's, there's a lot more. Yeah. For us to, to, to explore and to learn about. You're right. And there's a lot we don't know. Yeah. And, and I think the hardest thing about this sort of evolution is that uh, it means that you're wrong. So, mm. like, in what you're doing right now and how you're living, there is a pretty high likelihood that the way that you live or your existence is harming other people. Right either oppressing them or is actively harming them. And that is really a tough pill to swallow if you're an empathetic person or an empathic person. 
um, or a caring person, but you don't know what you don't know. And all that we can do is try to educate ourselves and keep our eyes open to seeing the world around us, Um, not just what we recognize. You know how you can kind of have like... um, selective blindness when you walk into a room and you only see certain things because you're maybe familiar with those things or that's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Like just because we're so much more in awareness of a certain topic of conversation, we hear it more often, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily happening at a higher frequency just means that we're more attuned to it. Mm -hmm. So my, I hope I hope to continue to open my eyes to the world around me. And yeah, I mean, ideally we can do that together. <laughs> expand our awareness. Well, I, I love that we're teaching each other what we're learning and asking some of these challenging questions and having these challenging conversations, both together and in our partnership. You know, we've had some challenging moments where additional people have come into our space or to our home. Oh my God. And have had to face their lack of uh, respect or awareness for some might say racist some racist misogynistic yeah we've we've had a lot of that yeah um anti-semitic you know and 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 that has come into our space and we've had to create almost like protocols for how we deal with that in the space in real time so that um we can set boundaries around what is okay. Yeah. And also help educate our peers or those who we may have invited or brought in unknowingly (laughs) that they might cause a ruckus. (laughs) Yeah. That is pretty like a surreal experience. It feels very adult to be like, okay, so what do we do when someone says something fucking racist in our house? Like, and we have, we're, we have other people that we're responsible for, beyond that racist person in our home, how do we protect them and advocate for them and be allies for any person of color who's in our house when someone says something racist? How do we stand up for ourselves? Because that's so not, that's so crossing a boundary for both of us to even hear that type of conversation. And what do we do for that person who is bringing that into our space. Like, how do we treat them uh, with with compassion, but also, like, a stern talking to of, like, that is completely unacceptable in our home. And, like, I'm not going to scold you because you're not a little kid, but, like, get out. You can't hang out with us anymore. Yeah, and, and also getting to a place of, like, compassion. And I think part of the allyship is in recognizing like their teachable moments and obviously people have to be ready to learn and ready to hear those lessons and accept them but um yeah i think you and i have had have struggled on this idea of like are we going to cancel someone from our life yeah yeah or is it is is there room for redemption and is there room for forgiveness and what does that look like right and we're still moving through that definitely and just like When you grow and evolve as a human being, you grow away from friends. Mm -hmm. Maybe these these statements or topics of conversation or sort of off-color remarks at some point in our lives um, wouldn't have been so egregious as to 
right. yield the response that they yielded, right? Like mm-hmm. someone said something extremely misogynistic in our house. And I know that a few years earlier, I would have just rolled my eyes and been like, that guy's a fucking douchebag and not said anything about it and right. not argued with him and just been like, okay, guy, mm-hmm. you know, and ignored it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how... Um, your relationships with people change too when you stop sort of taking that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that has been amplified because of our relationship? Or do you feel like that would happen regardless? Like that you maybe have drawn away from some people because you're more clear in what you stand for? Both. Certainly. Through folks I met on this podcast, I've been introduced to programs that have taught me more about systemic oppression and privilege Mm -hmm. and uh, fragility and, you know, a lot of the issues uh, around justice and equity um, that I didn't really know about before. And we hold each other to account and we have certain learnings that we share with each other and and also perspectives that, uh, you know, based on the friendships that we value and the people that we want to have in our lives and the purpose for our work, so much of it is about inclusion Mm -hmm. and about bringing people together and breaking down the barriers and building bridges. Mm -hmm. And that's not, you know, if we need to walk the walk, you know, we can't just talk about it. And so having a home and a a relationship that challenges each other to grow and to learn Mm -hmm. and to hold up those values in our home is really important and um, will will be maybe the ground zero for some of the most impactful mm, work we do in that in that way. Totally. I think you could extrapolate, you know, we're talking specifically about anti-racist work, but um, you could extrapolate that any sort of like self-work to this conversation right. and having a partner who holds you to account but also that can be a safe space place for you to be like play around with ideas to be a laboratory for what you're working with and what you're sort of theorizing about I think is so helpful working in a sort of silo or in a vacuum by yourself of course there's so much healing and work that can be done there but we don't exist on our own. We exist in community with others. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to practice whatever it is, whether it's positive self-talk or healthier eating habits or, hmm. um, <laughs> you know, like inter- Pilates together. Right, or like interdependency or anti-racist work with someone who loves you and is a safe place for you and is going to love you even if you're kind of a douchebag on accident or you say something shitty on accident and will be like, hey, I love you, but that was racist, what you just said. And you can take that. Like, that is really powerful. Right. And I think that's where the best change, and at least for me, I feel like the most change can happen when someone lovingly can say, I love you and you messed up. Mm -hmm. And... I still love you, even though you messed up. And I'm going to give you, like, the. I'm going to respect the dignity dignity of your timing as you learn this lesson. Yeah, yeah. We all learn at different paces. And, you know, we talk a bit about how I feel like you're 10 steps ahead of me and <laughs> a lot of different things. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there's 
that recognition and that kind of loving someone for where they're at in their process and helping them grow and, and trusting that, you know, their advice or their support is coming from a place of love mm-hmm. and, and especially articulating that yeah. and, and non-judgment. And, and that's so important to effectively in any case, like to effectively teach is to articulate that you are out of judgment and coming from a place of love. Otherwise, the lessons get muddled mm-hmm. and feel like they're inauthentic or feel like they're coming from just judgy. Yeah. yeah, like that that just that just it's almost like bullying. Right. And like getting your point across through bullying someone. Right. Oh, but I okay, as heavy as all this stuff is, cuz it is heavy. Mm-hmm. I will say we're the funniest we've ever been. Oh, we're very we're extremely funny. <laughs> That's a great point. There's a lot of good chuckles in the house. Um, I feel like we laugh all the time. We laugh all the time. We've come up with some great, like, weird, um, passionate moves. I think one of the most fun things about being in relationship with someone who's hilarious and, and, and loves to experiment is that we can come up with, like, weird ways of showing affection for each other. Like we've created the hot breath where we just breathe on each other with it's gross. hot breath and it's gross, but it's also, you know, it's our hot breath mm-hmm. or like I'm currently getting a toe hug from Michelle where she basically like wraps her toes around my toes yep. and it's pretty, that's kind of a nightly thing we do. It's a weird Excuse new me? thing that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's. We've been together for over a year now, so now we're just letting our freak flags fly, which I would guess, like, maybe. Or if it's more, like... <laughs> They've always been flying. Yeah, that's true. I think that we've been pretty authentic from day one. But also, like, you know, this idea of shadow work, of mm. the deeper you go into your shadow and the dark stuff and the heavy stuff, the more spaciousness you're giving the light. Mm. Um, almost like the range of your emotions, instead of being from, like, you know negative two to positive two you can be negative 100 to positive 100 mm-hmm. and so that range has so much more dimension and to it i i don't know if if maybe it's that maybe it's just like we're being weird now farting <laughs> in front of each other because it's like you know yeah, there's, there's a lot as soon as you get past the like gastrointestinal um, myths that are upheld <laughs> in relationship, right? Like, like where what? Like, like oh, women don't poop. Yeah, like women don't poop, dudes don't fart, like whatever it is. <laughs> like as soon as you get past that, there's a lot of room for like new comedy, right? To move into the space and honesty, <laughs> yeah. And like you know, yeah. just there's so much there, and getting comfortable with all that discomfort, and that's definitely something for me that I've had to work on and will continue to in 2020. Looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> what are you excited for this year? Um, I am. We're going to Tokyo. Oh yeah, we got tickets to go to Tokyo yeah. in October. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to deepen our relationship, mm. our commitment to each other. Mm. I am. I feel like we're both in really good places in not just our partnership together where we feel confident, but also work-wise mm-hmm. where we have enough of a tether, enough of a, enough of a line to like run free and really dive into work. But we're also knowing that we can always come back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like a bungee of like, I'm always going to 
have this safe spot that I can run back to yeah. um, when I need it. And I have a long enough line that I can go work. And like, I know that if I dive into my work for a couple of days, like you're not going to be butt hurt and <laughs> you're not, or you're not going to fall out of love with me or something like that. Yeah. You're going to Joshua Tree for a few days. Mm-hmm, I am to work. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm just, ex- I mean, like I'm excited to live. Just keep living. Just keep doing it. Doing keep lo- keep it having fun. Going to bed at nine forty five. <laughs> New thing I'm trying. Right. <laughs> what are you excited about? Oh man, yeah, we got great travels coming up. We're going to Hawaii. Bo- booking that. That's yep. gonna be great. Uh, celebrating your thirty first birthday. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> Forgot just, about that. Yeah, that's coming up. Uh, going east in a couple di- like a week. You're just saying things you're excited about. In yeah. the next month, dude. I know. There's a lot coming up. There's th- just <laughs> co- good things. Like, I think w- just us growing, um, I think we're going to do some couples therapy. We kind of tried that and oh, we, yeah. we want to do more of that. So just. We went to one couples therapist. We're doing a preemptive sort of. Yeah, just like wanting to like dive into that so that, you know, we, we like are in best practice. Yeah. We mapped out our year. That's cool. So like we've, we've got. <laughs> Like uh, our year kind of budgeted out to a degree and we're creating a joint bank account and we wrote our goals and things that we want to spend. Like we want to travel, you know, with some of that money, but we also want to invest in the house. And mm-hmm. so we like have a garden that we are now eating from. We had salad with the lettuce tonight. That was delicious. We're very thin. We're very thin. <laughs> Just salad. Um, lettuces. <laughs> Lettai. But yeah, so so there's it's cool to I'm excited that we have this kind of roadmap and also room to create and explore and and yeah, like you said, like these kind of professional projects that we're building out and starting to bear fruit. So that's feeling good. And I'm sure there will be many surprises. Oh yeah. That come down the pipe. Hopefully more of them will be positive than negative. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just want to keep laughing every day. Yeah, the laughter is key, and also I think I always, I always want, I always want to feel like a sense of honor in our relationship, in a sense, or like, like, like. I never want to feel taken for granted, right? Uh, and I think that's something that we want to hold in our sights always, like that sense of. Yeah, we can be wrong, we can be experimental, we can be silly, we can be weird, we can be freaks. Mm-hmm. And it's never like an eye roll. It's never like, ugh, like I can't deal with this right now. Right. You know, there's always, sure, there's times when we need to be alone, there's times when we need to work through things or we have stuff going on and it's too hectic. But ultimately, I feel like this this relationship remains really healthy as we honor each other as human beings and recognize like we can trust each other and we're intelligent and we can get along and we can support each other. And and that feels really good. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I think as you get older and you see relationships fail, you see brilliant, very lovable people fall out of love with each other Mm. um, who are our peers or people that we grew up with who were married for a long time and then maybe got ended up separating. I think that it becomes really clear that like, um, what is important is respect. Yeah. 
and honor, like uh, exaltation almost mm-hmm. of like, I really, Admiration. exactly. I admire this person for who they are, for their heart and for their brain. Mm. And also I want to jump their bones. And there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like maybe the sort of like secret sort of mathematical situation. It's the sauce. Mm-hmm. So Michelle's really r- radical, dope, beautiful, powerful human being <laughs> who I admire so much. And I hope that this episode has been illuminating and helpful in talking in experiencing love, I suppose, through our frame and checking up on this connection that we've been cultivating for over a year, a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's really beautiful as it continues to flower. And um, we're grateful to be able to share it with all y'all. Um, check out Holisticism. Michelle's doing big things. <laughs> Holisticism.com. Holisticism on the gram. Mm-hmm. You know me. Extremist love. All the things. Wait, love I have one more question for you. Oh. What's that? How have you changed the most, either in your philosophy of love or just as a person, from right before we started dating to now? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's that's an on-the-spotter. Sorry. It's okay. Um, how have I changed the most? I think, I think I've... Oof, I think I've kind of come to this place of like heart happy heart and i think my heart for a long time it, it was happy in its in its self love when we met mm-hmm. i'd come to this beautiful place of equanimity and and joy in myself um but to have happy heart in partnership um is not something that I've experienced so consistently in my life. Mm. And so I feel as though I wake up and go to bed and, and live my days with happy heart and I get so excited just to come home or to wake up with you and see what, laugh at what we're going to laugh at <laughs> and see what we're going to see and just share what we're sharing and, and be able to, enjoy each other's company and, and kiss each other or hold each other and do things. And it doesn't really matter what we're doing. Heart is happy, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's my answer. What about you? I mean, that's a good one. What do you got? <laughs> What's changed the most about me and my perspective of love over the last year and a half? Yeah. Um, I shouldn't have asked this because I don't have an answer. Um, I kind of never thought I would, like, find someone I wanted to be with forever. Like, I just assumed that people were lying or, like, (laughs) when they got married or just were, like, settling, you know? I never saw myself long term with someone or having a family with someone so much so that I was just like, oh, I'm not having kids. Like, I mean, I might, but I don't know, big maybe. And I think it's a combination of a lot of things, feeling in love all the time 
and feeling safe and um, authentic and seen and honored that make me the future sort of appears before my eyes where before it had always been foggy and difficult to see through impossible to see through and now it's so much more clear Mm. and that's exciting and i like it that is exciting (laughs) thanks for saying that (laughs) you're welcome that was really beautiful (laughs) all right Take us out with your go-to love song right now. <laughs> it's the same as before. James Blake, Can't Believe the Way We Flow. Oh, no. We already did that one. Um, okay. I got one. Oh, is it? What is it? Got me th- feeling so crazy right now. Yeah, got <laughs> no. me feeling so crazy right now. I thought you were going to say so Paul crazy Simon. Looking so crazy. Okay, yeah. Crazy. Should... so crazy in love. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. We can use Queen Bee. Queen Bay. <laughs> okay. Thank you all. This has been another episode of Love Extremist Radio with Ethan Lipsitz and Michelle, the one and only Pelezon. <laughs> with the, I don't know what accent that was. Uh, thank you for listening. Tune in. Please, if you like this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you podcast and share it with your friends. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's right. (laughs) Adios, amigos. Bye. Bye.
Fabulous fat like Tony Soprano the rock handle like Ben X2 I shake phonies, man, you can't get next to The genuine article, I do not sing, though I sling, though, if anything, I bling, yo Star like Ringo, roll like a green wreck Crazy, bring your whole set Crazy in the range, crazy in the range They can't figure them out, they like, hey, is he insane? Yes, sir, I'm cut from a different cloth My texture is the best firm chinchilla I've been ill of the chain smokers How do you think I got the name over? I've been real of the game's over Fall back young, ever since I made the change over the platinum The game's been a rap one Got me looking so crazy, my baby 